This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Going to get to Paul's guy here in about, well, about 15 minutes or so, right? With the, around the NFL. Judge, 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 judge. Joe Judd's team has had a full-out fracas. A pure six brawl that broke out, and quarterback Daniel Jones somehow found himself in the bottom of the pile, and then the coach had everybody run. We'll, we'll talk about whether the Harry High School Act works with grown men. Uh, th- that'll be, I'm sure, part of the around the NFL. And if it's not, we'll, we'll, we'll make it so. There's uh, a bra- we'll, we'll, if it's, there's no brawl, Danny, it's not really training camp. Come on. That used to be true. That's not true with the majority of teams anymore. You're right. Majority of, the majority of teams, NFL coaches, are like, we do not want that. Another piece of housekeeping is that we are going to be giving away that four-pack of tickets to the Blue Jay series August 13th, and I was trying to invoke some national um, some national bragging rights in that. We've got to fend off the invading Canadian hordes. However, I have been informed by one alert texter that the Canadians are not allowed to cross the land board that's been extended until at least August twenty first. So we don't have to worry about the carborne invasion, though I believe Canadians can still fly into the country if they provide proof of a negative COVID vaccine. Walled off. We may not have the hordes to fend off that we normally do. Good, good. This is very but good. Keep your ear out. We are gonna have a contest between now and the end of this show at ten o'clock. Is Pete Carroll the right coach to get this team over the hump? And and I say that I asked the question not based on Hey, he's lost his fastball or anything. It's it's an honest question. He's been here 11 years. We saw them go from rebuilding to dominant. And for about the past six years, we've seen them kind of at this better than average, but kind of like upper mid. They've been the upper middle class team in the NFL, right? They've been the team that's good enough to get into the playoffs. And even the year they missed the playoffs, they had a 9-7 and seven record. They've been good enough to get into the playoffs. They've even been good enough to win a playoff game, but they haven't really been among that. They haven't finished a season among the top three or four. And honestly, they've started better than they finished, which is exactly the opposite of what used to happen with this team. This team used to find its footing in November and be at a dead sprint in December and be just a, 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 a house of fire entering the playoffs. Is Pete Carroll going to be capable of getting a team to do that again? Getting a Seahawks team to do that again? I think he's capable, but how is he going to do it is, I think, the big question. And I think a lot of people would point to just the arrival of Shane Waldron as perhaps mm-hmm. the biggest reinforcement for Pete Carroll's coaching staff that they've had in a while. But maybe we are putting very heavy expectations, a massive burden on the shoulders of Waldron to actually like be able to bring that to the table for Pete Carroll and company. So, well, I think he's capable. It definitely remains to be seen if it's going to be this year where all of a sudden they start, I guess, looking closer to the team that was so good in 2013 and 2014. Waldron is the most significant addition. As we're just talking about this, you've also got a quarterback that might have more to prove than he's had maybe since his second or third year. You also have a quarterback who, for the first time, sort of pushed back against the franchise and I think was surprised about the public response that that received. That everybody wasn't like, heck yeah, Russ is right, it's about time he asked for better protection. 
There were some people that felt that way, but I think the majority of people were like, yeah, that's not what you want from your quarterback. That that's not ideal. That could have been that could have been handled better and not really. And maybe he comes in with with an edge to this. Look, Bill Belichick's the gold standard, right? And we'll see how all of that unfolds as Tom Brady's gone. But for 20 years, what I've seen Bill Belichick as is that he's someone who has a very specific culture in place. The culture is different than Seattle, but the similarity is that there's a very specific approach that is poured into the the, the foundation of that team, which is sort of your job's never secure. It, it is It is sort of a corporate a cold corporate culture of you do the task that is assigned to you and I don't want to hear anything extra. This isn't about you showing your personality. It isn't it's a you're you're here to work on this assembly line and and you if you do what you're asked, we're that's going to give us the the best position to win. Seattle's is more of a we believe in you and we believe that's going to get you to your height. The other thing that Belichick brings though is that each week he basically game plans for the opponent. Which I right, love. like each 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 week there is a specific game plan. Pete's is a little different. Pete's is we're going to have a system that we run that we're familiar with, and that our players and that frees them up to be as aggressive and as and to play with sort of the full energy that that he likes to see from this team. The offense has been the been the side like that should be the better of the two sides of the ball right now. Just given the money and the and how good Russell Wilson is, and I don't know, they really haven't. They, so what is what does Pete do? What does Pete do that he hasn't tried for the past six years that maybe gets them over the top? I would like to see just different game plans week to mm-hmm. week, and I would point to once again the offense for that. I, I don't think you're going to see it out of the defense. The defense is what it is. I think generally a defensive minded coach has his stripes set in stone pretty much, and they're not going to change it. I would point to Wade Phillips, a guy who was just known for sending five guys, having five guys in man coverage every play, and a single high safety. And that was always what he threw up. And against certain quarterbacks, they could pick that apart easily, but when they teams that he coached were really talented, I would just point to his time in Denver when they had you know Aqib Tlaib and, and they had uh, DeMarcus Ware brought into the mix there too. Like that, It didn't matter. You know, the, like you can run that game plan week to week defensively. So I don't think they're going to change that. I, I hope that they're talent wise closer to where they were 2013 14. That remains to be seen. But week to week, I would like to see some variance offensively. And it felt like that was not the case last season. It's certainly, they certainly got cut in a rut. And I had not seen a rut like that for their offense in a number of years. And going back to when they didn't need the offense to do as much, and it was kind of a different the, the the workload was shared differently. You weren't as focused on how how much the offense had to do. It was the defense that that you really leaned on to do a lot of the the, the heavy lifting. There are times that coaches, Andy Reid's a great example of this, where a shelf life in Philadelphia. I think Andy Reid had kind of run his course. He'd run his court, and he'd been a, a successful head coach. They'd gone to four straight NFC championships. Then he had a fifth NFC championship that they got to a little bit later where they lost to the Cardinals in, in, in that game. But it, he'd kind of run his course in Philadelphia, and I'm not sure if he stays in Philadelphia. Say he stays in Philadelphia and they draft Patrick Mahomes. Does he have the same run of success that he's gone to in, in Kansas City? It felt like everybody benefited from a fresh start there. Philadelphia benefited, at least initially, with Chip Kelly coming in. And I felt that Andy Reid benefited from having a fresh start in Kansas City. 
some sometimes you it, it, things run their course, and I'm not saying that that's happening here. I don't think that's what what's happening here. But I do have that question of you've had six years where you're kind of at about the same level, good enough to be relevant, but not good enough to really matter or get back to that that heavyweight contender status. Well, the difference is. Reed never had a Russ until he got Mahomes. Right? That's true. I mean, but it, McNab- McNabb was good, but not quite exactly. Russ. I th- I think McNabb was a was a good quarterback that is disliked by Eagles fans for reasons that I can't quite grasp. And then afterwards, when he got injured and they moved on to Michael Vick, Vick had one really good season in 2010 where he was a fringe MVP candidate for a season. But he couldn't stay healthy the next two seasons the rest of the way. And they go from eight and eight to twelve to four and twelve. And that's when, you know, when you have a season like that where you're four and twelve and Andy Reid's at in, in charge, that's where you know that the that it's that it's that it's done. You, you haven't seen anything that would make you believe that that's the case with Seattle. I mean, the last couple of years, more wins every single season. Yep. You're right. They've increased their regular season win total. Is John Harbaugh a comparison? Harbaugh has the one Super Bowl that they've won. He's got the one where Joe Flacco was going to be a free agent, and they had a run. You have a very consistent trait of a really good defense that sort of succeeds in spite of turnover of personnel. They've gone from being a Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs group to the the group that they have now. And now they've even moved on from some of those guys with Matthew Judon and 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 Zadarius Smith and other guys that have moved on to other teams. Is is Harbaugh is Harbaugh a comparison well, for that? Well, the difference. There again, it's the quarterback. Like Flacco, the year where he played out of his mind in 2012 in the playoffs is the giant anomaly in the John Harbaugh era of the Ravens. And they've been competent, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, man, but they're better than competent, right? Lamar Jackson won the MVP. Lamar Jackson won the MVP, and they didn't get to the AFC Championship game. And I think that's a reflection of some of the lack of coaches that they have after John Harbaugh. I, I think Greg Roman has reached his shelf life in, in Baltimore. I don't think that he is ideal for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson to evolve. I think he's good for a couple of years. Obviously, we saw that with Colin Kaepernick, but, I mean, we saw this exact same thing with Kaepernick. All of a sudden, Kaepernick was bad. And, I mean, are we really going to point at just Kaepernick as far as that being the reason? No, I, I would point at Greg Roman. And and I feel like we're seeing that once again in San, excuse me, in, uh, in Baltimore and, you know, the weapons that he has around him, too. I feel like Baltimore is closer to getting to that point of stagnation than Seattle is. I guess it's really a matter of, though, how much weight do you put on the postseason exits? Because they started off so sluggish against the Packers two years ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this past game, that. holy crap. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen that game, and that's probably one of the big reasons that I feel that they are stuck is because I've seen that game that they had in Green Bay twice before. I've seen that game where they get into the second round of the playoffs and you start summoning up, okay, maybe this is the year and they've got a chance. Panthers. And they're, they're one of the last eight games and the Falcons. The Falcons, they even started off better. But where you go on the road in that second week and you're playing a team that has a week's rest and you really you really pretty much get smoked. Like, it's it's close and, and it's not embarrassing and you can sit there and hem and haw about a couple of ways that they could have won it, but you weren't really close to winning that game. It was not a coin flip situation. Like, you were clearly a cut below the team that earned home field advantage and the bye. Like, you were clear, and that's that's probably why I end up feeling that there's this little bit of rut. And it's really hard to do what Pete Carroll's done, which is 
first off, get to that point where you have a great team. And then stay good after that. To not have this window of opportunity. Sean Payton hasn't done it. His teams have dipped down and had a lack of success and losing records in there. What Pete's done in having nine straight seasons with a winning record is exceptionally hard. It might be even more difficult, though, to have two different windows where you have a truly great team. They've had one great team. My question, and this, is Pete going to be capable of having another great team here? Or are they just, you're going to get to the playoffs and hope that they get hot and or go on a run like Flacco did with Harbaugh? We've seen Belichick do it before. I mean, they had some years of stagnation themselves where you could probably make the same case. And, uh, I, but time is definitely ticking. Uh, by the way, we, we have some more good news for the Seahawks in week one. Now, you mentioned before at the beginning of the show, Danny, that Eric uh, Fisher... the Eric Fisher with his Achilles. Well, uh, Quentin Nelson, arguably the best guard in the NFL, has a bone issue in his foot like Carson Wentz. He, too, will undergo surgery today, that per Frank Reich this, af- uh, this morning. So they're missing their all-pro guard, Yep, probably their quarterback, yep. and maybe their left tackle. Yep. That seems less than ideal. I'm it okay seems less it. than ideal for the quarterback uh, that they will Jacob Eason not having that protection. If it is Eason or if it's Brett Hundley, yeah that that seems that seems like things are stacking up there in Indianapolis. Generally, no news is good news yep. in training camp. Like no news is good news except for contracts, right? The only the the bad news for the Seahawks really so far has been Dwayne Eskridge has a toe injury. Jamal Adams is not signed, and Dwayne Brown is not really practicing, and we're waiting to see if is he the extension that's in line after Jamal's deal gets done. Right, and uh, we'll we'll look to see if that is something that they're even thinking about right now. I, I don't know that that's something they're even thinking about as a possibility. Do you get that vibe? You know, with with the way that Pete answered that, that question about Dwayne Brown, it just felt like that's, that's not even something they might be considering given the way that he, he responded to that question. Legitimately do not know legitimately don't know because I could see it being a situation where, hey, we're not going to talk about it. The one thing Pete is, Pete has never been hesitant to sort of talk up the player of like, hey, we want to make him happy and want to make him go. He didn't even criticize Cam Chancellor when Chancellor was holding out and ended up missing games. Now, it eventually ended up coming to a head and Chancellor ended up coming back. But yeah, he's he's never been so I I true I don't know how much to read into Pete not wanting to talk about that cuz it could also be he just doesn't want to have co- contract extension con he he's not going to tell you on the update on the extension talks. He's just going to tell you that they're they're hopeful of getting something done. It is Danny Gallant. It's time for us to go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at 9.15 with Danny and Gallant. Today's an exceptional day. Hi, DJ. Good morning. Morning, everybody. Well, before we get to the story that Danny teased, I wanted to touch on this first. Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer definitely voiced his frustrations yesterday after quarterback Helen Mond and... uh, returned a positive test for COVID-19 also with Kirk Cousins having to be out as a close contact he says quote about the lack of vaccines on uh, vaccinated players on his team going through all the things you had to do last year at mask protocol traveling can't leave for a day you can't go out and see your family and all those things you can't go out to dinner on the road you have to wear masks on the plane all that stuff it was just difficult I just don't understand I think we could put this thing to bed if we all just do this but it is what it is I would be frustrated if I were in their shoes. 
And there's only so much that you can say at this point if you're them, but you can't you can't mandate them to do it. But it does feel like, especially seeing as we've seen a bunch of people similar to the way that we saw during the NFL season, test positive and get put in the protocol and all that, you would think that they don't want to deal with that anymore. I don't get why they why they're 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 okay as a team with this and and aren't thinking about it I guess as a teammate the perspective that maybe would be ideal to have in this situation whether it's the use of wristbands to identify someone who is not vaccinated which I believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were doing I know at least that I know other teams have talked about doing that comments from coaches I, I know Ron Rivera was also critical in pointing out that hey I was going through cancer treatment last year so I there are immuno I, I'm immunocompromised and then throw in the NFL and it's the NFL is doing everything it can to apply public pressure to players who are not choosing to be vaccinated that's that's very clear that that is the NFL's approach here that they're not worried about hurting people's feelings or making them spotlighting their their reluctance to to be vaccinated. Some of these coaches you would think would be able to change some of their players' minds. I would specifically point to Ron Rivera in Washington. I mean, had cancer last year, has been pretty emotional with everything that he has said, and yet now they're, you know, dealing with what they're dealing with right now. That that team has one of the lower rates. My understanding is right. that team has one of the lower rates in the entire league. Look, if you're asking me, I I believe in vaccinations. I, I think people should get vaccinated. I think it's just the quickest path out of this, especially with the the introduction and the, the, the impact that the Delta variant of COVID-19 is having. I think that solutions for when people talk about how do you get people that don't want to be vaccinated, vaccinated, like how you, it's, it's, it's employer related. In New York, they're going to start requiring proof of vaccination to use a gym or indoor dining. I, I think ultimately... If, if there is going to need to be more pressure placed on, on people to get vaccination rates up, it's it's going to have to come through from employers. I went to a bar on Saturday, and they actually asked me for my vaccination card. Oh, they asked you for the card? Yeah. Got I was passed. I was surprised by that, and, and I luckily I actually had it. Some people that came with us did not, so we had to go elsewhere. <laughs> So, Ralph, I hope I'm saying your last name right. Vacchiano. Vacchiano, thank you, of Sportsnet New York. He tweeted out about a half hour ago, a full team brawl at Giants camp with quarterback Daniel Jones somehow at the bottom of the team pile. Building. Joe Judge is absolutely livid. He's got the players lined up now to run. And then he goes on to tweet how... They've been doing 100-yard runs, and then Joe Judge didn't like it, so then they started doing push-ups. He didn't like those, so he, they ran again, didn't like it, did push-ups, then cussed him out where he said he pretty much said every other word started with, with F. Fights, push-ups, laps. This is how you install old-school toughness. And these two millennials on this program are soft. Don't they don't want to don't have this you, you don't a part of this. 
Well, look, Daniel Jones at the bottom of a pile is good for the Giants because that means that he might not be under center for them this year. Hey, he's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, according to Next Gen Stat Shadow, Jay Keeves. He hates that stat, (laughs) but he is the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, supposedly. (laughs) This This is such hairy high school. And here's the part of this that I hate. Joe Judge pretending to be horrified at the fight that happened and mad at his players for doing that. Everything that he has done there points in the direction of this sort of behavior. Everything that he has done there about how you practice toughness and all those things leads to these sort of fake hustle, I'm a big tough guy and I'm not going to take it sort of things. NFL teams over the past 20 years have increasingly treated their players like professionals and said don't fight during practice because the only things that can come out of that are bad. Your teammate can be hurt. It makes us worse. And the sort of stuff that Joe Judge has done, even if he didn't say like, hey, hey, I want you to go out and fight and it's okay. The kind of things that he's done are the kind of things that lead toward teammates fighting. This is an eminently foreseeable thing. The Giants, he will never lead the Giants to the playoffs. They will never make the playoffs while Joe Judge is head coach. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the fault of his coaching style, though. I feel like when you got that when you got that Daniel Jones juice on you, I mean, you what what are you going to do there? You know? Well, other than get him injured at the bottom of a pile. Well, but that's that's a part he's claiming he didn't want that. He's claiming like you've got to be smarter than that and you can't fight. No, that's the tempo that he sent. That's the tempo that somebody says, "Can't have toxic masculinity in football," says Danny. That's not what I said. I said you can't have your team fighting each other in training camp trying to prove who's tough because that's stupid. I will say, on a serious note, now taking the tongue out of my cheek, if you are trying to install discipline and this is the result that you're getting, then yeah, it's probably not working. It's big-time college energy, right? Yeah. Like, this is... Dude, having your whole team run run penalty laps and do push-ups? I, look, I have no problem with the laps or the push-ups on a serious note. I really don't. It's so stupid. Yeah, whatever. It's- don't screw up. Like, But I do have a problem with... if. This isn't actually working if you're squabbing with each other, if the entire team's getting into a brawl on the field. Like, clearly, they're not as disciplined as they think that they are making their players be. I think the part that made me laugh so hard about that story was only because I was on Twitter. And not maybe three minutes before I saw the New York tweet, I saw a tweet about Dan Campbell. Like reporters kept asking about him as a rookie fighting a train camp. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna have my team do that." And as intense as he is, and then three minutes later, the Giants thing came out, and just right. made me that crack up. The other coach who's definitively a hardo in the NFL, right? But also has a really good staff underneath him, so maybe his hardo tendencies aren't going to be the worst thing in the world. So we finally have a premiere day for Hard Knocks. It'll be August 10th, which is a week from today. And as we already know, the Dallas Cowboys will be the team this year on the very popular football program. So are you guys excited? Yeah, I want to watch this. I like I like Hard Knocks. I think this will be better than that. It was really disappointing how boring the Raiders one yeah, was. Yeah, that's last been so good. The Rams, the Rams was not good either. I, I think the Cowboys will be better because Jerry Jones' ego. I think Jerry Jones' ego will make this better. I think the Cowboys will allow people behind the curtain a lot more than any other team to the point where, honestly, I wouldn't mind it being the Cowboys every single year, too, so you can actually sort of establish some sort of real-world-esque show with some continuity. But I'm not excited for it. I'm not going to lie. I feel like the last couple of years, you have seen the restrictions increase. How do you not cover the Antonio Brown saga with anything more than just 10 minutes? 
the most interesting thing that we've seen happen in a training camp. Brown supposedly almost fought Mike Mayock on the field. Are you serious? We get none of that? What's the point? Teams have veto control over some of that stuff, man. That's how they that's how they yeah. end up getting the access that close. I think I think the I think the Cowboys will at least be an interesting show. It is Danny and Gallant, our training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. We got those four tickets to the August thirteenth Mariners game. We're gonna give them away in the next second. This segment. Listen for your cue for the chance to win. That's ahead. You are listening to Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. All right. We're opening up the phone lines. 206-421-3776. Wait a minute if you're listening on the radios at 30 seconds if you're on the stream. We'll take Mm. four callers. We're going to put four callers on. You're going to have to answer a question. You answer one question right. And you'll get the first person to answer it correctly is going to get four tickets to the August 13th game against the Blue Jays, which also includes a fireworks special that'll be set to the 1990s, set to 1990s hits. You can get your tickets at Mariners.com. You are my fire. My one desire. Fireworks. Is that a 90s hit? Yeah. NSYNC? I want it that way. I believe Backstreet Boys. Oh, my bad. My wrong, wrong boy band entirely. Don't get it wrong. Uh, fights were started over that back in uh, fourth grade. <laughs> fights were started at Giants practice today. <laughs> yeah, they were. I, if there's one thing that I loathe across sports and that I actually think I have a fairly good sense of, it's fake hustle. It's guys that do something that doesn't make a difference because they want to appear tough. They want to appear motivated. The guy that shows up at, at half hour before everybody else and then does nothing with that time just so everyone can see him sitting in there. The player that dives for the ball that he knows is going out of bounds because he wants everybody to watch him dive and say, like, oh, what great effort. I hate fake hustle. I, I understand what you're saying here. I, I do think, though, that sometimes appearances that aren't actually based in reality have an effect in a game. I always noticed this is a weird thing that the University of Miami did when they were playing football back in the day, but they made a big point of you will never, ever, ever, ever look like you are winded. You will never have your hands on your head. You will never have your hands uh, on your knees. You will, if you are out of breath, you will not look like you are out of breath because we are not going to let that team ever psychologically believe. And that is somewhat Hardo, because that doesn't necessarily help you out. I don't know if there's actually any science that proves putting your hand above your heads or uh, on your knees makes it easier to breathe. Definitely makes you more, I guess, relaxed. But some of those, I guess, not necessarily fake hustles, but displays do, I think, have a little bit of an effect. Are are training camp fights fake hustle? I see those as the epitome of fake hustle. Hmm. The frustration builds up. I, I guess it varies case to case, but I would tend to agree with you for the most part. It's usually someone out of control if it's not fake hustle. There was a couple years ago where there were a bunch of them, and it had to do with Seattle's offensive line sort of drawing a line in the sand, and they weren't going to be pushed around anymore. It included Frank Clark hitting Jermaine Effetti, who didn't have his helmet on, knocking Effetti down. Then Clark wasn't practicing. And at the end of it, I was just like, well, what exactly did that prove? Like, I don't feel like Jermaine Effetti. He got hit, and he got punched 
you don't want to have a teammate. Like, there's the possibility of a real serious injury there that would have impacted the team. But it wasn't like he was sucker punched either. Like, the offensive line had been consistently doing things to antagonize the defense. I was like, what, what, are, what are you guys doing? Like, this, this, seems, this seems relatively silly. And I don't want to seem Pollyanna-ish in which, like, you should never fight. Like, football's a violent game. I get that. But I think there are times, and there are coaches, definitely, who kind of want to see that. And I feel that we've moved beyond that as a game to realize that that's the sort of, like, posturing that, that teams that it doesn't really have an actual effect. That's the sort of stuff Buddy Ryan and Jerry Glanville would have his teams do, and it's acting tough instead of actually having tough teams. Mm, that that's yeah, I, I think there's reason behind that. I, I also think some of the changes that have happened too have to do with the new CBA, where you just aren't seeing as many full padded practices. This is an interesting time because you have young players who don't really know what's the appropriate level of playing because some of these guys are going to go 150 percent and some of the veterans are going to be like yo calm down and sometimes a fight is a way to I guess slow something like that down from escalating or continuing when somebody's going like 150 you're like come on man but there are also times where I'm like well shouldn't everybody be going 150 percent all the time I don't know I feel like it would make everybody a little bit better all right you ready to give away these tickets Mm -hmm. so we've got four tickets to the Mariners game on August 13th. They're facing the Blue Jays. It's 90s fireworks night. We're going to be giving away a four-pack of tickets to this game. Every every show throughout the rest of the day, we're going to ask a question. One question. All it takes is a correct answer to this question. You're going to be getting those four tickets. John in Renton is up first. Dwayne in Spokane is on deck. John, how are you? Doing good. How are you boys doing? Doing wonderful. We're doing very well. You're, you're in Spokane. You're going to come over here for the game? Oh, no, no, Renton, Renton. Renton, Oh, my bad. It's Dwayne that's in Spokane. John, yeah, I was trying to put you on the east side, east side of the mountains. That's, that, 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 that's no good. Bad job by me. Here's all you got to tell me. Who started last night's game for the Mariners? They win 8-2. to two. Who was the starting pitcher? Chris Flexen. John knocks it out of the Victory. ballpark. Absolutely Damn. jumps on the first pitch he sees, clobbers it over the out. I, you, you got three people to take with you to the fireworks game? Sure does. All right, John, congratulations. Thanks very much for participating. If you hold on, DJ will take your information from you. Uh, You are going to have more chances to win throughout the rest of the day. Each show is going to be giving away four tickets to that. I used to think, covering the I would look forward to the fights. I would time the fights. (laughs) Like, I still remember some of the best fights that I saw. And, And I've come to realize that the training camp fight is something... I just I think it's a good sign when teams don't do that. I think it's a good sign when you have a professional group of guys that aren't out there trying to prove something to each other because ultimately like what what are you proving against your own team? What, mm. what 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 exactly do you have to accomplish? And Joe Judge going to making a big example and then having guys run afterward and do push-ups and him making the big like that's not the kind of thing we do here. I think that stuff has a short shelf life in the NFL. It's very easy to make fun of if there are no on-the-field tangible results, and it's hard to imagine those results coming when Saquon Barkley is coming back from a torn ACL and Daniel Jones is not good, you know? So I'm, I, I, I feel you on that, and I think that ultimately, even though I find a judge amusing, perhaps like a clown, I don't think that he would appreciate it, maybe Joe Pesci style, but this does not seem like it's going to work. 
from the 206. If the fight at Giants practice was over who was better, Backstreet Boys or Sync, then I think that's an okay I fight agree. to have. I agree. It's Danny and Gallant. We're going to raise flags. That's coming up next. From the pocket. And flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. It's time for us to... Take an inventory, a score counting of what's happened, not just over the past three hours, but really over the past 24 hours in sports. We raise flags. I'm going to start. I always feel selfish when I go first. But then I've realized that it might be more selfish to save mine and have mine be last. Like, that's always weird too, right? Like, it'd be like the manager batting himself clean up. Do you think it's implying that you're saving the best for last? Kind of. And a little but Catholic then when guilt? I go when I go first, I also feel like I'm like elbowing my way to the front of the lines. Like, <laughs> wait till I wait till you get a load of what I have to say. If you lead, I will follow, Danny. Anywhere that you tell me to. I'm raising a flag to Simone Biles. I'm raising an American flag to Simone. America. Biles. She wins the bronze medal in the balance beam, and probably over the next 24 hours, you will hear a number of different opinions about what that performance means. Here's the only opinion that matters. Doesn't belong to me. Belongs to Simone Biles. She said she's more proud of that accomplishment than she is any of the gold medals that she's won. Athletes do not owe us anything. I'm not sure what we owe athletes. That's something, but athletes do not owe us anything. And if a person decides they don't want to do something or they would prefer to not take that option, I have a hard time saying that, like, no, you have to get out there and do that. I I don't think that's right. If the person decides that that's not an opportunity that I want to take or not something I'm ready for, I'm not sure if it's our place to pass judgment and say, you could say, hey, I don't want that person on the team anymore or those sort of things. But the idea that there's been some sort of personal referendum over what Simone Biles has chosen in terms of competition is something I don't understand. But I will say this. What matters is how she feels about it. She is one of the most accomplished gymnasts in our country's history. She participates in an event and in a games, a showcase that comes around once every four years. And if she concludes this feeling that she's prouder of this than she is of any gold medal, that's awesome. Because ultimately, that's what matters most is how the athlete feels about their own performance and it feels about themselves. So I want to fully raise a flag and say that I care more about what Simone Biles thinks about what happened than I care about whatever any person who doesn't pay attention to gymnastics except when something happens that they find an opportunity (laughs) to make a political point about. I care way more about what Simone Biles feels, and if that's how proud she is, I complete hats off, full salute. The only issue I had with the entirety of it was that maybe somebody else could have had her spot. That is legitimately it. I am with you. The coverage of this has been bleeping insufferable. Both sides. Whether it's the people that are coming down on her hard or the people that are saying, so courageous. Both. I hate I hate the coverage of this whole thing. <laughs> you know, I'm really happy that she was able to get back out there and do what competitors do. Which is get back out there and do what she's been doing for her entire life it's great and she got a bronze medal and you know what as you said danny if she's really proud of this moment good for her usa 
DJ, you're going next. I'm throwing a flag on this reporter. We do not know the name of the reporter. We probably will at some point. But Josh Giddy is a basketball player that was just yeah. drafted last Thursday. I won't say the team he was drafted by because we don't talk about them on this program or on this station. Oh! But, I mean, I should raise a flag for him because I feel sorry that he has to go to said place. But, no, I am throwing a flag on this reporter. You know, I get that the pandemic, it's been a hard time for everybody, you know, in different ways, right? But I think one of the things that we've gotten really good at is working remotely. And you would think this wouldn't happen anymore. We worked out this offseason, you know, the whole time I was in Melbourne and We've been in the gym together for a long time. So, I mean, there's no one really better to work with okay. in Australia than, you poop? <laughs> than, um, than Andrew Gaze. He's, uh, he's a legend of basketball you know, there. <laughs> Keeps and, going. Um, you know, going through this process, he's been big for me. Um, just in terms of, you know, keeping me focused. Um, you know, he's been he's been in the spotlight before. He, he understands how this all works. I mean, we, we've been... It's August 3rd, 2021. We've been doing this, what, for... 16 months, I think, now? 15 months, maybe? Oh, uh, DJ. Turn I'm, off the mic. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's not. I'm not hating on this guy. I'm not hating on this guy. I kind of agree. It's funny. And 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 Getty deserves an award for hearing it and then just powering through. You didn't even laugh. Oh, uh, did you poop? <laughs> I'll also say this. I mean, one of the many reasons that I feel like being a parent must be difficult, I'm assuming that some some small child stumbled across in front of them and may or may not have had a mess on their hands or in their pants. So I I, I empathize with any parent who's trying to juggle working at home while you've got some small children who maybe aren't back in school. If you've been doing this for all these months and maybe still have to do it going forward, all the power in the world to you. I, I, am, I am there with you, though I do not want to be you anytime soon. No. It was pretty funny. Yeah. It's not as bad. I thought we were going to have the one. Did you? There was a clip. I can't remember which player it was. No, no. It was JaVale McGee. When the reporter asked JaVale McGee if his mom was dead. Yeah. And he tried to do it in this really like, uh, JaVale, uh, I tried to be, is, is your mom, is your mom still with us? Yeah, still with us. Yeah. <laughs> that part of it was so worded. And he kind of goes, is she still alive? Yeah. Because that's a weird question, bro. It's also it. weird because you could look it up online. Yeah, you definitely could. Like, she's a relatively famous person. Is your mom dead? Well, at least he didn't ask it like that. Is your mom yeah, still with us? Yeah, that's true. He did it. He, he did softballed it. it. Nosed it around. Is she still with us? But what if he's like, no, she's not here right now. She's not on this Zoom call, bruh. I didn't hear the follow-up question. I'm very curious as to what it was because that reporter probably was like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Oh, no. Oh, no. And then have to have to somehow transition into another question and sound confident because everyone's seeing this. Everyone's recording this. Uh, the best question I've seen, Danny, at a press conference recently was when um, uh, Booker on the Suns was asked yeah. if he felt like he let Chris Paul down while Chris Paul's sitting right next to him. <laughs> Chris Paul has his face like he wants to stab the person who asked the question. It was so great. It was pretty good. All right, Paul. Okay, uh, speaking of press conferences, Nick Falls, calm down. Calm down, man. There was a couple opportunities that um, came to be this offseason with a couple teams, but it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time or the situation with what was going on. 
Um, in my life, it's like I said, you want to, you don't just want to go somewhere to go somewhere. Like you want to go somewhere where you know the people somewhat, or you know someone who knows the people that can vouch for the people so you can succeed. Listen, I'm 32. I feel great. The version of me right now is much better than the version that played in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that. And I'm confident in that. So put that through your mind. I know that. I know what this game's about. You have to have the whole package as a team. Like you have to have everyone in there. You have top down has to be great. If it's not great, you're going to be mediocre. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. And unfortunately, when you're a quarterback, you got to go through a lot of the, you know, baloney. You're in Chicago, so yeah, you're you're still a part of it. You're the third string quarterback on the Chicago Bears. This idea that you should have any say or control over where you go next as a quarterback is ridiculous. You're behind Andy Dalton on a depth chart. So, slow your roll, Nick Foles. I think if you were showing some of the things that you feel like you are showing right now, that Chicago would actually be entertaining the idea of you maybe being a starting quarterback this season. Instead, they you're you're buried on the depth chart, and they're just hoping that they can get anything for you and to get that contract off the books. Yeah, it's weird when you say like I, I, I'm going to go to the right situation. Right. What are you, LeBron? I mean, there's 32 of those. Are you really? Is, is it fair to to say that like you get to pick and choose? No, no. I would get this if it was LeBron. I'd be annoyed by it, but at least LeBron's good, right? <laughs> like this. This is this is ridiculous. Congratulations to the winner of our was it John from Renton mm-hmm. who won our won our four pack of tickets to the August thirteenth game. Renton. Thanks to Brock Brock Heward for joining us. Carlos Dunlap coming Seahawks training camp coverage brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. The Professor John Clayton, DJ Wilder keeping everything on the straight and narrow, and he is Paul Gallant. And yeah, he's got no patience for for Nick Foles. And Kitsy Kitsy. Kitsy is howling in disappointment. Oh yeah, she's so she's gonna be mad at me later. That's not that's not good. And he is Danny O'Neill, and the sea cucumber mustache lives on. The mustache, it's glorious. Up next, who's capable on the Mariners of having a JP Crawford June kind of month? We'll talk about that and some of the things I saw at training camp yesterday.